Welcome back, everybody, to Brothers in the Deep End, Season 3. Yes, we're back again with Season 3, another episode, another day, another dollar. So today's episode is a little different. But before I get into that, I want to thank every single one of you for supporting, sharing, liking, commenting, talking to us, um, you know, commenting on all our like posts that we do. It's, it's really an honor for all of you guys to comment. We love it. We love the support. Without you guys, we wouldn't be here. If we could change one life... That's what we want. The motto. That's the motto of this podcast. If we could change one person's life, it's all we care about. Right? So before we get into today's episode, um, it's a little different. You know, it's always a little different. We always got something new for you guys. We're always trying to switch it up. We do have a guest with us today. Her name is Arissa. But before I get into her story, you know, I just want to let you guys know she was, or she is, I'm sorry, the second female to we have on this podcast. Um, we don't really have many females, obviously, on this podcast, but that is because we are called Brothers in the Deep End. But once in a while, we got to switch it up, throw you guys a couple curveballs. And, you know, we love to hear a female's perspective on a lot of issues that are happening in today's world, how they got out together, and how, you know, the sister got out the deep end. Right. So that's why we're here today, you know what I'm saying? So we got like we got Arissa with us today, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story. But before we get into that, I just want to, you know, tell us, um, tell you guys, I'm sorry, a little story on how we got here today. So the way we got here today is me and Ethan were actually discussing how we wanted to get a female on this podcast who is kind of like on her boss shit, right? Like, no disrespect to anyone who's out there, right? This goes for everyone. Everyone's always on their boss shit. Everyone's always on a queen shit. But, like, we needed a female who we knew was top tier. We needed someone who can represent, and we knew someone who had a story that can help others. And that's obviously that's the whole point of this podcast, to help others. And she's here today to tell us a little bit about her story and how she got out the deep end. And I think her story is a really big eye-opener for a lot of men and women because in today's world, there's a lot of men who are still in the deep end. There's a lot of females who are in the deep end. So, you know, a little round of applause for, you know, Arissa. She's here today. She owns a podcast as well. If you guys want to go check it out, it's called Queen from Queens. And, you know, it's a dope-ass podcast. She has some great topics, great people that you guys can obviously tune into and possibly be relate to. So, and today, we have Arissa. We want a little bit, you know, about you. And now you can take it away. Tell us about the beginning, how it all started. Little baby Arissa from New York City or Albania in this case. <laughs> Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. Thank you, Ethan. Yep. Thank you, Casey. It's truthfully such an honor to be here. Um, I had no idea I was the second female. Um, yeah, second, you guys second. need more women on the podcast. I understand as brothers in the deep end. And yeah, I really do focus on, um, you know, men's mental health, which I feel like is such an important topic. Mm. Um, so thank you. I'm, it's an honor to be here. So thank you for reaching out and for having me. Um so baby Arissa, you guys want to go from the beginning. All right. If we go to the, from the beginning, then it starts a year before I was born. Um, so 1997. Oh, so you weren't even conceived yet. I was conceived. Actually, my mother was pregnant with me at this time. Um, so 1997, um, my family comes from a small European country. It's Albania. Um, some people know about it. Some people don't. We're in the middle of Greece and Italy. Um, that's why, you know, we often get overlooked. We are a country filled with... We've gone through it all, war, um, genocide, poverty, communism, you name it. Um, and speaking of communism, in 1997, my parents had a business out there. They had their family out there. They were married. Um, I actually have a brother. He was 12 years old at the time. Um, I don't know how many people can relate. If you come from an immigrant family from me, then you know what a lottery is. So basically, back in the day, you would win an American citizenship to come to America. Um, you 
it's literally random. You get picked, you apply, and you, wow. and if you do know, um, it's a funny story. My parents actually got drunk one day and they applied and they forgot they applied until it came in the mail that they got approved for a whole American citizenship. So how long? Like, I'm sorry to cut you off. So like, uh, so how long does that usually like take? Um, so you usually apply around June. I think I don't. I don't know if it still exists. I know up to like Trump administration, it kind of stopped. If you know, you know. Um, and you would have to wait like almost a year, I think. So like they got drunk one day. My my dad was obsessed with leaving Albania. He actually worked in Italy a lot. Um, he was just obsessed with getting their, his family out of the communist country. So he would, you know, often think of ideas. And then he applied when they went and got drunk and like they was having a good time. And then a year later, my mom gets in the mail that she won a whole American citizenship. And she's like, what the fuck? And he was a very go-getter kind of guy. He was like, we have to go. This is perfect. And around that time, she was around like three months pregnant with me. Um, So lo and behold, my parents and my brother with me, my mom pregnant, um, they traveled all the way to New York, the Bronx, actually. The Bronx. Yep. Um, so a lot of Albanians, usually when they come from Albania, they usually go to the Bronx or Michigan. Down. Or Michigan. And I was actually born in the Bronx. Um, Oof. Well, uh, Podcast ends here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to get that reaction. Um, but anyway, so they um, went ahead, they moved to the Bronx. And then later on, I was born a year later, 1998. Um, and then things got tricky. Um, six months later, my dad actually passed away. Um, he passed away um, during his job. Um, he was a construction worker and he died on the job. Um, when I say things got tricky, it was because my mom just came to this country. Um, she didn't know any English. She didn't have a job. She just gave birth. Um, she had a teenage son almost. My brother was 13. Um, so she kind of had to like pick up the pieces and it was kind of rough. Um, I know a lot of people out there, you know, they get raised by a single parent. Um, but it's usually harder when you are an immigrant mixed with a single parent with a tragedy that just happened as well. Yeah. And you're a female too. And you're a woman. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, she didn't, she didn't know how to say thank you in English. So it was like, she had to build from like ground zero. Um, so, you know, at that time she did the best she could. My brother was still going to school here in America and she sent me back to Albania actually. Um, I was six months. I stayed there for a year. So, um, you know, I was out there for like, until I was like, a one and a half two years old while she was here and she was building so what i mean she was building she went to she had two jobs um she would clean offices she mm -hmm. would like you know be a maid basically and um she would go to night school to learn english and then um you know go take care of my brother and whatnot and then oh technical difficulties oh sorry y'all and so she came back for me. She brought me back to New York. Um, and at that point is when, you know, my brother, he became my built-in babysitter. Mm. Um, so if you know anything, um, being a 14-year-old boy, it's kind of hard when you have to be the man of the house now. Um, so it's funny because I talk about my father's death a lot because it really shaped me. And it may seem... I don't know, it may seem weird to some people because I was so young and I don't know, I never knew him. I know so much about him, but I just never knew him. Um, but his death is like the theme of my life. And what I mean by that, like the two people who raised me while they were raising me, they were also going through their own grief. 
Um, and if you know anything about grief, it can make you a very, you know, sometimes not so nice person. It can some days you have a really good day and then other days you are falling apart. So like there was a lot of moments where my brother, he was so young and he was, you know, in high school taking care of me. Um, you so know, I do have some questions for you. I'm sorry sure. to like cut you off, right? No, but, no problem. So your brother, right? You said that he was like the man of the house and obviously he had to grow up like really fast too. Mm-hmm. So like what are some things that you saw in him that he had to like replace kind of like in your father? So you said he was the man of the house. So what were things that he was doing that made him like, quote unquote, I'm going to say like the man of the house now. Like what was he doing? Well, when I say my brother is my father, like, and I say that to everybody, like he raised me to be such an independent person. Like, and I say that in the best way because most young kids will be so selfish and they'd be like, I don't want to take care of my sister today. Like I want to go play basketball with my friends. Like I I, I don't want to do that. But like he was the most selfless person like he put my mom and me before anybody and he was only 13 14 you feel me and as Mm -hmm. far as what he's taught me in replacement of my father is one love can come from anywhere like you know like you don't need it from a parent or anything like that um if you have a strong relationship with your sibling then you guys know this um but he taught me how, like, he's the one that took me out every weekend. Like, you know, like, you know, something a dad would do with their parent, with their daughter. Like, I got a question. I'm sorry to cut mm-hmm. you off. How, how did your brother get these principles? Like, how was he raised on these principles? Because he sounds like he has a pretty good foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, And his father, and was his father, was your father, like, yeah, I got his mm-hmm. father. Like, in his life a lot, like, he was young, you know, when his father passed. So, like. How do you get these principles, especially with your mother, like, yeah. you know, dealing with, like, everything as well? Yeah. So, yeah. so my my dad and my brother were best friends. Okay. Um, they were best friends. They That was his only um child for a long time, my parents' only child, for, like, 13 years before okay. I was right. there. Right. Um, So, for like, that's all they had for a really long time. So my dad was a big family man. Like, he took care of his brothers. He took care of his wife. He, like, even his own brothers will joke around and say, like, he's the best husband out of all of us, like, Mm -hmm. to this day. Like, they'll still, like, joke around and say something like that. And I think he learned it because sometimes you're put in a position where, like, your fight or flight comes up. And, like, I feel like my brother was in, like, always, like, go mode. Like, you feel me? Like, he had to, like, get things done because... He had to take care of his family. Yeah, like, and he learned. Know? And he learned by example. And you say he was close with your father, mm-hmm. and and then obviously your mother too. And mm-hmm. it sounds like it's like um, like your mother and your father like they're go getters, right? So he learned by example, and he was really soaking in the information and learning as life was going on. He wasn't just like just going by with life. Like he was really in tune with the moments mm-hmm. and soaking it all in so when it was his time for him to step up at that at whatever happens he was ready for it and it sounds like he was and obviously with him you know with you guys losing your father at a young age like he's he did a great job because me i can't imagine if i lost my father like at 13 12 11 or i didn't even get to meet my father because i say it all the time i don't know who i'd be if it wasn't for my father so yeah. kudos to your brother man and I'm sure he says he pro- he says the same thing to this day. Like he gives all his thanks to him. Like you know, like I think they spent so much time together. Like my brother and my dad would go everywhere together. My dad had to do like a business stop or something. He's taking my yeah, brother in it, the car with him. Yeah, it like, sounds you like feel it me? sounds it sounds like how me and my dad were. That's that's some that's some G shit. Yeah, and, and I know you lost your father too. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Rest up, rest up, the king. You you did. Rest up for um, real. 
But talk about how when your father go back to when your father passed. Like, how was he the theme of your life? Like, talk, yeah. So, what I mean by what he was the theme of my life is that his whole death is what made me grow up in a way. Like, so my brother, my excuse me, my father has um six brothers. Um, mm. so and they all live in Albania, and they they made sure to stay present in me and my dad's and me and my brother's life like no matter what like I know my whole dad's family like the whole side I spent summers in Albania you know like they really really made it a point that they were present and like it's easy sometimes when like a parent dies so young like for their family to be like why should I still be involved or like you know like it's easy sometimes to forget or like when that connection is kind of gone in a way and they were always there. They always made it a point. They helped my mom raise me. Like, and I, I really, it was, it, it really takes a village to raise a child. So, like, if you know, you know. Um, I was gonna say. So, to your point, right? Mm-hmm. So, while your brother was raising you, was this here in like New York, or was this, this in was Albania? No, this was here in New York City. Okay. Um, this was while like I was growing up, going to school. While he was growing up, going mm-hmm. to school. Um, I moved to Queens when I was in the first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have a question for you. So like how, so like now, like you're moving forward, right? So we got, we got little risks moving up in the world. So like, how was like your child life? Like how was like going to school and like Mm -hmm. how was explaining, like, I don't know how to say this without like kind of being like weird a little bit about Mm -hmm. it, but like how was like growing up and I guess like a new education system guess was like pretty new to you, obviously, because your family came from Albania. Mm -hmm. So how was growing up in this new foundation? Like how was everything different and how was growing up in like this school system without a father like different? Because obviously now you didn't have one. You obviously have one parent, right? Mm -hmm. And you have your brother with you. Mm -hmm. Great foundation, great family. But like how was it different now that you were like on your own pretty much going to like this school? Like. How was yeah. school life for you? Like starting off, like maybe like elementary, middle, mm-hmm. and like high school. Like how was that? So honestly, my brother and my mother gave me love times a hundred. Like they overcompensated sometimes because they didn't ever want me to feel like I lost out mm-hmm. or like I'm losing out on things or doing things like that. Um, and they did such a good job. Like they really maximized the love for me that like sometimes I even get distracted that I don't have a dad by how much love that they've shown me. Um, But as far as growing up, explaining this situation has been, you know, interesting because my brother would pick me up from school and, like, my teachers would call him my dad. Like, you know, they wouldn't understand. Mm. Like, like he's my... And he's 13 years older than me. So, like, you know, like, he was way older than me. Like, when he graduated high school, I think I was still in, like, kindergarten or something. It was a peewee. Yeah. Yeah, I was so young. And he's 35 now. Um... Shout out to you. I love you. Um, But for real, he is always in my corner. We'll get into that um, as we go through life. Um, But it was interesting because I would always have to explain to people like, no, I don't have a dad. Like, you know, like that's my older brother. Like, and it would be even weirder because I would be so young and he would be so old and I would have no other siblings. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And I think when you tell people that you grew up with one parent, you get a lot of sympathy but they also feel like you're a victim. Yeah. And I feel like you also get judged. And like besides you also so being a victim, judged. I feel like they do judge you because then they think like, like so, what if your family was bad? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't know why, because so like judged. no one understands like your story. You feel me? So judged. So like Albanians are very cultural. Mm-hmm. So like when you're a widow, you kind of get like looked down upon. Like not that it's your mm-hmm. fault, but it's like you're a, 
you're a single woman basically you know so like it, there was a lot of judgment on that like just the fact that my mom wasn't married or she never you know was with somebody or whatever the case may be and like even if she tried to be with somebody there would be talk on that like you know like well, yeah would be- I, I actually had this discussion too like not too long ago like the thing about widows is like it's just like damn because it's just like now like if you really want to be with somebody I'm not saying this is your mom just mm-hmm. in general right like I, I feel like with women and widows who like want to be with someone else it's like how do you explain like that situation you yeah. know what i'm saying because like now if this other person wants to be in your life and they want to love you mm-hmm. now you have to be like well i just want to let you know like my ex-husband died right. and it's just like damn like it's not like something even ended like on bad terms mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because now like now like that person is kind of in your head for life because mm-hmm. like it's not like you wanted it to end you love the person to death right. and then now like, they're it's gone. not even your fault like yeah. you know you can't control death like at all like there's life and there's death mm-hmm. and that's just what it is and then i feel like guys have to like the guy on like the other and i'm not i'm not gonna say that's not easy for him either because no, like that's, that's really rough because like now you feel like you have to like just set such a high standard just to you know kind of not like replace the other person but like you have to like really fit your way into this person's mm-hmm. life again to a point where like you can trust them they can feel comfortable around you now they have to like let you into like their kids world and it's well, a process it's, a lot. it's, it's, it's just a lot. like everything. it's a big process it's a big change. and when you come from a country like Albania, I love my people to death, but they gossip. Like, they really do gossip. And I come from a really small town in Albania. So, like, every move my mother would try to make, like, it would make the news. Like, you feel me? And it would be annoying because it's like you try to live your life and you're trying to essentially move on. Like, you feel me as well? Mm-hmm. And, like, you have people in your ear. So, like, that was that was a big thing growing up as well. Like, just having people talk about our situation um, yeah, like and it's publicly. funny because it's like the same people that talked about our situation today. They're like, oh, she was so strong. She did it all. Like, yeah, but that's people in general. You know, that's just how it goes. But Play it's it crazy down. how like how like the we have a saying in Albania, like um, the world goes around, like whatever you get basically comes back around. Karma. Like, you know, 100 percent karma. But it's just like, <laughs> how can you like, you know, speak upon somebody's life and then turn the other cheek? But whatever, like, you know, we. The thing is, I come from a small family of three, but, Mm -hmm. like, that's all we needed. Like, we only needed each other, like, to make it through the hate, the the comments, the just everything, you You know? You had three wolves right Uh, there. Right, like, we was was a pack. So, like, I was going to say, so as we spoke before this, obviously, you kind of walked us a little bit through your life, a little bit through education and how it was. So, like, you said at a young age, and obviously this is something I also mentioned to you, I feel like you grew up, like, extremely quick. And I think that's no, one of the biggest things there. I actually got out of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually mentioned to us, I think you said your first job was around, like, 12 or 13. Yeah. So speak on that. So honestly, like, I'm not going to lie, like, most kids don't work at 12 or 13. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, when I was 12 or 13, I was at home being a peewee playing fucking video games. Nah, I wasn't playing that much. You know what I'm saying? So, like, in the playgrounds. Yeah. Right. Like, nah, so, like, no, so, like, how was that so how was growing so, up fast and how did you feel like you had to grow up fast because obviously like the now that you don't have like one parent with mm-hmm. you don't did you feel differently that you had to like support like your family now like a lot more as you were growing up and, through school right. and like high school yeah and you've seen it through your brother too and your brother's getting older too so it's just like all right i gotta find my role per right. se oh my that's i love that you said that because while i grew up i always try to find how i can like help in the di- in the family in the dynamic family. i always try to find like a role like once you're not the baby anymore once you grow up mm-hmm. obviously and you become somebody and you know you figure out you need to contribute some way i spent my whole like i would say it started in middle school trying to figure out 
how I can like incorporate myself yeah, in the family dynamic. Because you see your mother hustling, you mm-hmm. see your brother getting to it, and it's just y'all three. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, what am I doing? Yeah, I'm going to school, but I want to help the family. Like I want to do what they're doing. You look up to them because they're doing the right thing. Right. And you're a product of your environment, right? So if you see them doing it, you kind of be like, I want to do it too. Mm-hmm. That's why foundation is very important. Mm-hmm. And like kudos to your mom, kudos to your beloved father. And your and of course your brother because it was just like that foundation was set was set solid. Mm-hmm. It was on the, that that old school principle like family first, integrity, character. Make sure you get up and get into it. Right. So it just rubbed off on you. That's and, for sure. And you know, and then also when you know this unfortunate situation happened with your father, your mother's like, all right, it's on me now. You know, I have two little children. Mm-hmm. You know, I. You know, obviously a mentor was there. Yeah, she couldn't speak English, but she was like, "All right, it's either I boss up or we gonna we gonna drown." That's yeah. really and you what out it there, is. And you out Sick there all alone. So it's just like, where do you run to? And it's just like, kudos to your mom and your bro yeah. because, thank you. Like, to not fold in America, especially in that time, especially Oof. in New York. Oof. Yeah, like Talk about being it. in New York City, like it's such a sink or swim city. I always say that. And like mm-hmm. the fact that yeah, I think, like just Ethan just it's, said, it's, it's, it's the New York crazy. gritty. It's the New York gritty. Mm-hmm. And they'll step over you if you don't step up. That's Which for is sure. the big concept that we're speaking upon. And just, you know, I'm just so tuned in and just listening to it because I could, like, relate. Like, it's not about how much people you have in your family, like, and also mm-hmm. friends. Like, it's about, you know, you having a solid one. Will Smith said you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So, look at you, mm-hmm. your mommy, brother, they're doing their thing. And it's just like, at 12 and 13, you're already, like, seeing the vision already. You know, because you've already been in it for so long. Right. So, um, yeah, talk to us about that. So you're like, you're 12, 13, like, you know what? Man, my brother getting to it, getting the bread, you know? I yeah, I'm get in my school. Money up, yeah, funny yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in school, you know, but I need to help. I need to bring something. I need to bring value to the family. Like, for yeah, sure. they want me to do school, but I need to do more because, you know, there's so much more that we got to do. Like, we just getting started. So, mm-hmm. go as to that. So, before I get into my first job, there's a lot of things I learned about being independent um, just in home life. So me and my brother would stay by ourselves like he would watch me. Obviously, my mother would work till midnight. Um, so being home, like I had to learn to cook because, you know, he wasn't going to cook. So I had to learn how to cook. So I would cook for us. I had to learn to do laundry because my mother wasn't doing my laundry. I had to do my own laundry. Um, I Bro, had to some learn. kids in college still don't know how to do that shit. So but I'm also <laughs> Albanian. You learn how to clean before you learn your ABCs. So maybe that's just a default. But, um, okay. you know, it's really true. Um, so I had to learn like these little life things before, like, you know, I had to really get out there and do mm-hmm. it. Um, but as far as my first job. So when I was in middle school, you know, What do you want to do when you're in middle school? You want to go to the mall with your friends. You want the latest Jordan. You want, you know, you want to buy new things. You feel me? I don't know. Yeah, I I wanted to buy new Jordans and I couldn't, I couldn't, I wanted to always buy new Jordans and stuff like that, but I couldn't afford it. So Me neither. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. So I would go to my mother. I would be like, hey, these 14s are dropping tomorrow. Can you like spare me? and, and, And back then, like with the Jordans, like you see all these kids used to flex with the sneakers and what the case would be. I'm like, how are they getting it? And, like, mm-hmm. I never had the courage to, like, ask my mom and dad f- to get me joiners because I knew, like, everyone has a struggle. I'm not trying to say we was financially poor, but we was just getting by. And, you know, we they right. were just doing what they needed to do to support me. Everything else was, wasn't that important. Like, sneakers wasn't that important. As long as I was, like, well-groomed and going to school and, like, had my, you know, one, two pairs, yeah. that's all I mattered. And I would kind of get, like, 
damn, I want those J's. But then I was like, you know what? Like, I can't compare my life to that to theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, funny story. Like, I don't even like, but like, this is kind of like, just, you know, throw it in there since we're talking about like middle school. So like, when I was actually in middle school, it's funny because I was in the same class as this kid. But uh, <laughs> I didn't we, know you guys knew each other. Yeah, that long. we did. We knew each other since like young. Yeah, school. I was like, always been in his uh, his big homie. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, so like, it's funny because like, it's funny you guys are talking about sneakers, right? So actually, I actually really did have like, a really big passion, I think, as well for growing up with sneakers because mm-hmm. my father's like a really big sneakerhead. Mm-hmm. So he always wanted me to like, have like the nicest sneakers. But like at the time, I never really like cared until like I started seeing all like the fancy and nice things in life because like my mom dressed me like a fucking Hershey kiss like my whole life. <laughs> so like i was like all right now i need to like step up right so like the literally like the first day i pulled up to middle school had these new jordans the fusion fives bro i don't know if you remember the fusion fives but like it was literally just like an air force and a five put in one Mm -hmm. and i had the orange ones with the fucking yellow and i came in the first day and that the fucking cool kids were like like them shits are fake (laughs) and i'm like i literally got them shits at footlocker how they fake and they're like i've never seen them shit before they were playing it down because they was tight that i had the shit but like (laughs) Nah, it was just fucking dumb as hell, man. It was just really kids funny. in middle school are so mean. They Let me are. just say they're the most so realest mean. people. That ever. middle school kids are different because in high school you find your crew or something and you like you kind of like whatever. But like middle school is really like that awkward time where you're I like, know. am I like this or am I like this? Yeah, like, I know. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the worst. You get the worst fits in middle school. Nah. Like you're dressing horrible in middle school. Nah. Nobody can sit here. Nah, and Casey, say. Casey got some trauma there, some PTSD. We'll talk about it in another episode. Buds in the deep end, but. Going back yeah. to you, so you see them, you're like, right, so, I need to get right. my bread up. So I'm, I go, you know, I'm like, you know, I can I have $20? I want to go out after school. She's like, $20? Yeah, right. You feel me? So there was no $20 in my house at that point. And I was always good in school. That's one thing about me. I was always a good student. I've been a good student since college. Like, it's just something about me. Like, you know, um, school has come rather easy for me. I don't mean to say that because I know it's different for everyone. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's always been easy for Mm me. Um, So, like, I used to live on Fresh Pond Road. If you're from Ridgewood, Queens, then you'll know exactly what Fresh Pond Road is. These two is from Brooklyn, so they have no idea. Um, But if you're from Ridgewood, you definitely know what Fresh Pond is. And I grew up on Fresh Pond. So, on Fresh Pond, it's, like, basically just stores. Like, Jamaica Ave, like, Mm -hmm. different stores. So, I would go up and down Fresh Pond. Mind you, I was, like, 13, about to go to high school, maybe. And, um, you know, I would go into... First, I went to the 99 Cent store. I'm like, hey... Do you, y'all need, like, me to sweep? Do you need me to, like, resco- restock or do something? Like, I'm just looking for something off the books that'll pay me. Like, you know, shut down. Next. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go to, like, this hardware store right next door. Same thing. They're like, nah, I have my own son working here. I don't need, like, another 13-year-old here. <laughs> um, mind you, but these people knew me from the neighborhood. So, like, they weren't trying to be rude. They were just, you know, they just really couldn't catch me. Um, So whatever. I go into the bakery. The bakery had all female workers at that time. I was the youngest girl. Everybody there was, like, in high school already. I'm, like, in the eighth grade. Um, so I started working there. They started um, paying me off the books. Mm, and first of all, they were only paying me $5 an hour. Believe it or not, only five dollars an hour. Cash. I would work. I would work. Um, I mean, at your age, that's a lot of money. That's. Though. But let me like. That's what I'm trying to get to. Like, you feel me? Like, and I would work like I don't know, like three hours after school, maybe, or like something small, and I would get paid, and it wouldn't even be a lot, and I'd just be like, oh shit, I got Ball. bread. Like, <laughs> I'm going to the mall with my friends, but then. Then I'm like, I, I, I started to take a, like, a step back. And that's when I'm like, all right, I, I really can't waste all my money. Like, you feel me? Like, 
I have to, this is where contributing comes through. I have to like, I have to give something to the family. Like you feel me? And it's funny when I got a job, my brother was very mad at me. Um, He just felt like I shouldn't be worried about things like that. Like he always would say like, you're not responsible to finance this family. Like that's me and mom's like responsibility. Sounds like my mom. Shout out my mom. Yeah. Like really like I'm serious. And he got really mad at me, but like, in retro I still remember having this conversation with him in retrospect I remember him sitting me down like if you want this job he said have it so that you can learn discipline he said so that you can learn what being on time is so that you can learn what owning your own money is but he's like but don't do it because you think we're poor or you think we're struggling like he always put up this strong front like he never wanted me to like go to school worried or go to school like you know, just thinking yeah. about stuff. As any parent, stuff. as any right. parent, well, like, even though he's your like, brother, like as right. any parent like, would. Right, he he never, and he he taught me a lot about finances. My brother is a math wizard. He taught me how to save money. He taught me how to flip money. Like, and we'll get all into that about like lessons and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I did get my first job at thirteen, and then that's where it snowballed. I started working for different things, and like I've been employed since I was thirteen. I have had a job every year since that year so like what is that like almost 10 years ago i'm 23 so i've been working for 10 years and and you never had a break never had a break oh, no even back, even so in back high, to back like drake back to back i, I started at the bakery I like, <laughs> I, oh you said drake i didn't back hear you to back, like, <laughs> she you. let that shit fly man. right <laughs> <laughs> shout out drake you yeah. know what i mean but um yeah, so I started at the bakery, started working with kids. That I loved working with kids. Um, you learn so much working with kids. Um, and then I worked with kids, different jobs with kids, but until I was in college. Um, so as I grew up, I told you I'm, I was a really good student. So mm-hmm. I went to a really good high school. I got a full scholarship, um, all of that. And like, it was I think I was such a good student because I didn't want my pa- my mom and my brother to worry about me in school. Like, I didn't want them to be like, oh. I'm getting bad grades. Now she's now getting now bad grades. Yes, now she's yeah, yeah. flanking. Same, same here. Same here. Because, like, right in my, in my perspective, my mom and my father are sacrificing for me on the daily. Right. And I recognize that since, uh, I would say, like, elementary, middle school. I was like, damn, like. They work hard and like when I would ask them stuff, they like, all right, not now. Or like my dad would work overtime. My mom would do this and that. Just do whatever she can to put food on the table. I didn't and then I was like, damn, like she's busting her ass. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's only right for me to do well in school because it's the only thing I'm doing. The so only thing. so and like that's respect to the sacrifice they're making mm-hmm. for me. So on your end, it's like, all right, this this is what this is what I can do to sort of like again contribute to the fam and show my respects rather than like Shitting on them saying, eh, nah, right. da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But when you say respect to the sacrifice, I've never heard it put like that. And I'm going to probably jack that off you because that is so true. Respect to the... I think every immigrant parent's dream is to come to this country to make a better life for their children. Yeah, y- your parents already already sacrificed. You know what whenever I'm saying? I think about giving up, whenever I think about starting a new project, whenever I think about making more money or doing anything that is going to better me as a person, I always think about my parents leaving their home country just so that I could be able to do something like that. Like that stays in the back of my mind constantly. And it's all and they put you one step further. So it's all about elevating constantly. elevating the generation, right? So your father, your mother, then it started with your brother, he's on another pedestal, mm-hmm. and then it's you. So now you're the new and approved. And it's kinda like 
you're the chosen one alongside your brother, but mm-hmm. you're the younger one. So it's like you gotta you go have above the most potential. You right have yeah, yeah, you have the most potential, and you gotta go above and beyond what your brother set. Yeah, and you gotta represent the family name well. Honestly, if I did anything short than you know, putting my all into something, I would feel like I would be disrespecting my life and where I came from. And that's why I work my ass off. And, like, people that know me know that I really work my ass off, like, in everything that I do. And we'll speak about the podcast and how that came to be and all of that. But, like, I really try to put 110% in everything that I do because it would just be so disrespectful to the way my life was supposed to be set up. Like, you know? <clears throat> like so disrespectful and and i feel like it's easy to fall victim to your struggles like it's really easy to be like oh poor me like i no, I, I, I did I get this that. i, I get that this. shit i get that shit all the time yeah. i even there's also a lot of people I, like that. yeah I, I get that all the time within myself like you know sometimes i gotta catch myself it'd be yes, it'd be sure. your own mental playing games on oh, you you gotta sure. and it's only normal right i go through that to this day like it's like uh why by why but it's just like you know what I gotta take a step forward, and my dad said, "A little son always beats nothing." Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like right, like you know, despite like you know your father passing at an early age, or well, you know, prematurely, you know, mm-hmm. and you know where your mother just kind of like sort of being alone. Yes, she had your brother, and then she had your father's brother. Mm-hmm. Was there any times that like it caught up to you? Like the it sounds like everything's going good, but it got to be times where there was lows. And if you could just elaborate on yeah. like those lows. Like even they, throughout like your whole entire like experience, like coming up, like what were like the extreme low points where you were like, damn. Yeah. Like, for, in, for instance, me, right? Like, I don't know. Like I could just be, I could just be like working on, could be no one in my house. And I just start thinking about like my father or like, I just start thinking about all this, you know, like trauma in my life. And then mm-hmm. it catches up to me. I get that paranoia, anxiety. And then I have to like, wake myself out of it reach out to someone so like if you could just elaborate on that so i think if i had to think of one low it would definitely be college um feel that college was definitely really hard for me um for multiple reasons um i had to support myself through college if you a full-time student and you work a full-time job like i did um it's really no joke and if you know you know so I think that would be my lowest point. And I was also around people in my college life that didn't, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't beneficial for me. And I was also in a really bad relationship too. Like just, there was just, it was just a mix of things like of my environment and of like the people I was around. Um, And I think when you are in a kind of a difficult relationship you kind of think about your parents and like their love and all that you compare it and you compare it but like i really had nothing to compare it to like and i think that's where i would get sad where it's like i've never seen like a marriage or i've never seen like like, a relationship you know like i've never seen that i've only seen my mother be by herself like you know my mom was really particular on introducing us you didn't know you didn't know Oh, uh, that relationship love. Right. I yeah. didn't, and, and it was hard because, like, when you're in a relationship in your, within yourself, when you're in a relationship yourself and it's not going the way it's supposed to be going, um, you kind of think, like, 
this is normal. Like, you know, because you don't know anything else. You have nothing to compare it to. So like when it's bad, you're like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. But it's really, it's not how it's supposed to be. Like, yeah. So like I I always tell people this too. So like, it's crazy how like when a lot of people do hop from like relationship to relationship, right? And like a lot of them end up being like toxic. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when you go into a new relationship and you were in one that was toxic beforehand, your baseline for this new relationship is where you were originally were, which means like now it's just toxic. So like you expect toxicity. And it's funny because like since you didn't know like the norm and how things should work, mm-hmm. you probably just accepted a lot of the shit. And we're like, man, maybe yeah. this is how it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But for a lot of people who are in your situation or even not and people who go into multiple relationships, this standard of like where they were originally is what they always take because baggage is real. Oof. Like baggage is real. Like, you go to another relationship and everything that they had before happened comes right into this relationship. You have to also understand, like, if you want to be the better person, you have to grow in this relationship. You can't just accept this baggage and, like, put it on to another person because yeah. that other person don't deserve it. Yeah. Especially if, like, let's say, to your point, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was your first relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But if it was, right, whoever you were with, and I'm sorry, you know, how things played out. But, mm-hmm. like, maybe his, like, baseline or her, or however you roll, like, his or her baseline, right? Like was like up here and it was really bad so obviously like for the like for you you thought this was like the normal for them that was their normal Mm -hmm. and like i always tell people this so like when they go to this new relationship this new baseline is crazy and then like they expect their partner to like kind of be on that same level of like craziness and it's just like like no Mm -hmm. like you're just fucked up because of your last relationship and the next person should not suffer for like your mistakes and your issues you know talk that talk it's 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 a thing because it's really easy like i could have really folded and like gone into another relationship and dealt with that same bullshit that Mm -hmm. i dealt with but like when you heal like I think people don't do that. I don't think people take the time after a bad thing happens to them to really sit there, process no. it, accept it, and let it go. And we're gonna get into letting go later yeah. on as well. Um, and like people don't take the lesson out of things. Like you feel no. me? And they just make they just make them bitter people. And I'm not gonna lie, I was mad for a really long time off like just what happened to me. You feel me? But like. At one point, you have to really be real with yourself and you really have to take the time to show love to yourself, as corny as that sounds. Like, um, and you have to put boundaries. Like, you have to really put your boundaries with people, like what you accept and what you don't accept. And honestly, if I'm ever in a relationship again, which hopefully I will be, um, no, I, w- I, will, <laughs> I will, I mean, you know, you never know. Um, I will never ever like put myself in a position to get played to to just accept like the settle bare less. just the bare minimum. And if you know me, I do not settle. Like I don't settle. And like I've been single for a really long time and it's because like nobody's really up to my standards. Like you know, and I don't want to say that in a fucked Period, up way. Period, bro. I That's really don't want to say Period. that in a fucked up way. I just feel like you know your worth and add tax. Like you feel me? Like you can you can love somebody so much where you can overlook a lot of things mm-hmm. in them. But, like, love is sometimes isn't enough. You feel me? So if you ask me my lowest point, <laughs> it's definitely college. Um, being a college student in just general is just really hard. And then you add, like, having to go from class to work to class to work to class to work. And then you add, like, you don't have the best friends. Like, I really didn't have the greatest people around me. Like, I was doing not the best things, if you want to say. Like, you know, like just you know college yeah, shit. Uh, in college it was the same experience for me like 
that was kind of like a point where I was really alone, but I got to know myself because the college was just me. And when I went to my first college, like I moved in by myself. My mom wasn't there. My father wasn't there. Um, my father passed away a year prior or a couple months prior. So it was just me. And then throughout college, like I was just so, so zoned in. I was like, I, I'm here to just play football and get my grades. Like I didn't care about all that other stuff because in college, I feel like a lot of people are just there to like party. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's easy to get uh, sucked into mi- that world. Mingle, yeah. mingle with each other. Bing, 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 pow, pow, pow. <laughs> Byron, do Big that, <laughs> do that. You know, and then search for relationships and do stuff that's not important as to why you're in college. And then of course you had these all these imaginary players that come up in college when all designer da 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 da. But at the end of the day, that don't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Damn, I you feel, know, I feel attacked. Right yeah, now. well, it, sh- it it don't it don't mean nothing because it's like nope. who who are you trying to improve? And I was really to myself. Everyone in college, I feel like was like excuse my French, was like deriding. Like they would just try to be in the wave and fit in mm-hmm. and not Absolutely. really not really be themselves. And then when you're like a person that's independent, like you said, just mm-hmm. have high standards and you're not gonna fold or bend to like mm-hmm. the outside circumstances, you're kind of the black sheep now. So it's just like, um oh long uh where do I find this external uh, it's just me. Mm-hmm. You get all these thoughts. So yeah. No, and I feel you guys, both of you guys actually on that personal level. And I feel like I could relate like the most, I think, to this mm-hmm. because like to both of your points, like I was in college for something that I thought I was gonna love and I ended up like fucking hating it. Yeah. Granted, like to anyone out there, no disrespect, but I don't like sports. And a lot of people know that I don't like sports. Mm-hmm. Right? Ethan knows like actually it's really interesting because my housemate in my college right now, like he actually takes me to like games and actually I'm starting to enjoy it a lot more now. Like he takes me to football games, he takes me to all the soccer games. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually starting to enjoy it more. But, like, at the time when I was in college, I actually did a sports medicine program, and I hated sports. So I was like, I don't even know why I even started this because I thought it was going to be a lot more different. I thought it was going to be, like, you know, similar to what, you know, people do, like, train people and, like, do all this cool athletic shit. And I just didn't like it at all. And, like, at one point, like, I was so miserable down and out. Like, I felt like I was really stuck in this program because I just had to ride it out. But, like, it's never too late to start over. You know, it really ain't. And I really, like... To a point, when I tell you, like, I was just so sad and, like, depressed and so, like, yes. like what's the yes. word I'm looking for? I felt like I was just not there. Like, yeah, I really just, yeah. you're right. I wasn't mm-hmm. there. And I feel like I was disrespecting my mom because we had a deal for college. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, Me I too. feel like I was wasting her money. I felt like I was doing all these things I shouldn't have. I got stuck in that life that Ethan was talking about. Yeah, I started going to partying, party, yeah. going crazy, this, this, and that. And my grades really started to suffer. So, mm-hmm. like, it, my junior year... um. Like, obviously, a lot of people who do watch this podcast understand, like, at one point, I felt like I was just a piece of shit. I was a fucking shit bag. I felt like I served no purpose. I had no nothing. And then, like, uh, they offered me a deployment, and I took the opportunity. Um, at the time, I obviously didn't know, like, where it was. We're going to go right back and see your story right after this, right? But, like, I, I deployed, went to Afghanistan, and did my thing, right? But that whole experience, like was like mind-blowing like changed my whole world like flipped everything like 360 for me I like i really want to have you on my podcast to talk about afghanistan no go I, most definitely and like to yeah. your point like i said you well, were both of you, you were in a in a country like filled with war so mm-hmm. like i understand that like yeah. i understand how that feels and like war is very scary and like i said like when i came home my whole life like changed like mm-hmm. everything that i originally thought i knew i didn't know and, like, I took everything for fucking granted. I literally started over and switched my whole entire major. And, like, now I'm here, like, two years later. But I get my degree, like, next semester. And it's just, like, I had to do um, that life switch. And sometimes it. it takes that really big oomph and that really fucking switch up to just And this is what I cards. was just about to say. Like, I would not regret anything that happened to me, like, hurt-wise. Because that hurt, one, motivated me so much. Like, 
being heartbroken made me want to go hard and get a degree. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but like sometimes it takes that pain for to motivate you and to go do something. It's a and like, yeah, for real. Like, all the losses you take is just slingshots, it's just piles up in yep. the slingshot, mm-hmm. right? And then when it's your time to go on the opportunity presents itself, boom. Mm-hmm. You just go, yeah, and it, but it's just more, more force now. Yeah, take that loss. I, I'm going harder and harder. When you pull, it goes harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Then when it's time to go, mm-hmm. you go. Um, okay, so moving for, forward, so moving forward for the ladies out there, right? Yes. What advice would you give them? You know, obviously for the position that you're in, you know, mm-hmm. you run your own podcast, you're doing your own thing. You're not. You're pretty much a free, a free woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um. What advice would you give them? Because we have a lot of people out there, men and women, that don't really have that mindset. Um, and how did that, like, that question, like, how does that play into your podcast? Right. Like, yeah. how did that literally, like, bring your podcast into fruition? And and yeah. every other dream and every other thing that you got going on. For sure. So, you guys asked me about, like, the pre-interview when we spoke. You guys asked me this question on what advice I would give women. And no cap, I thought about it for, like, a week. I thought about it for one week and I'm like, what would I give another woman if they asked me genuinely for advice? Or or a male that needs to Or or just people in general. You feel me? Just people in general. Um, but as far let's start from the podcast. So QFQ Queen from Queen's Podcast. Um, Mm. actually, shout out, shout out Recrum, shout out KP, shout out Zeke, you feel me? And KP's my engineer. Love him to death. And so Queen from Queen's podcast actually started because somebody doubted me that I could do it. There you go. All so, it takes is one hater. So one hater. I'm baby. like, I'm like, oh, you think I'm not gonna do it? Oh, all right, put that battery in my back and let me go. You feel me? Cause like I was friends with this girl and me and her would talk about a million things. We would stem from like religion to social media to men to depression to anxiety, whatever. We would just talk about the most deepest stuff and then one day i'm like oh i think people would love this like you know Mm -hmm. and it was never original for me originally for me to be a solo host it just kind of happened um but and she totally shut my idea down she basically said nobody's gonna listen to us nobody cares in like her own way and you know she really i'm not gonna lie she didn't put the battery in my back so soon at first i started to believe her i'm like she's right like nobody's gonna fucking listen to me like what's the point and then um kp me and kp went to high school so we knew each other familiar with each other and he had his own podcast and i saw him this is a short version i saw him have his podcast and i reached out for help always reach out for help and he's like if you want a podcast we can get it done no problem um so a week later we had a meeting we planned a whole podcast and how I was going to launch it. She dropped that first episode and sent it to that girl. <laughs> she she saw it, trust me. <coughs> and um, I didn't send it to her, but trust me, she heard it. Queens are small. Nah, they, they, mm. always, they always watch Girl, Queens are small, you feel me? Nah, people's always watching. And the beautiful thing about my podcast is I worked so hard that there's no way you couldn't have seen it on social media. Like, there's just no way. Like, you mm. feel me? Especially if you know me from somewhere. Um... And so, you know, I created the podcast and then COVID hit and I couldn't do it. And then I waited until summer of 2020 to drop my first episode, drop my first episode. And then it kind of snowballed. So in addition to me dropping episodes and I have two seasons of QFQ, 
um i also do promotions for it so like i don't know if you guys have seen me on instagram but i usually do like a photo set and it's different like just themes of me basically just to promote the podcast on instagram um i actually have a mini documentary it's all about me and my life and my team on qfq you can check that out on my personal page um and, you know, it just snowballed into this whole business. And then I started getting sponsors. People really wanted to sponsor QFQ. And I'm like, wait, I can make money off this. Like, you feel me? Like, and so as far as advice. So this brings me to, I have two pieces of advice. My first piece of advice. Take out the notes, bro. My first piece of advice is have your own. So what I mean by have your own is create something of your own. If you're passionate about something and you really think somebody out there can benefit from it, whatever it is, like a podcast, a YouTube page, you could sell hair, you could sell lashes. It doesn't matter how many people are doing it. You do it the best. And you make sure you do it the best. And mm. why I say have your own, and this is really, you know what? Not even for the ladies, for the men too. Like, don't ever depend on anybody. Mm. Don't ever in your life depend on anybody. Where's and, the champagne bottle? And bro? what I, and I, this is my go-to. Let me tell you the real fact. So mm. your friends could wake up tomorrow and say they don't like you anymore. Your family could wake up tomorrow and say they don't like you no more. Your coworkers, your teachers, anybody. But you know what? A hundred dollar bill the is not going to wake up tomorrow and say they don't love you. You feel me? Like your own business is not going to walk up and leave you. You feel me? Um, your own project is not going to walk up and leave you. So have your own. Don't ever depend on people. Like, you know... I like to learn, but once I learn it, I don't need you no more. Yo, like, where's you the ice at, bro? Give this girl some fucking mm. ice, bro. She's on fire right now. <laughs> no, like, God real, like, damn. Once I like to learn. You show me one time, and I, if I got it down packed, I don't need I don't need to do it anymore. Like, I don't need you anymore. No offense. Like, you feel me? Like, that's why the QFQ team is three people. My photographer, my engineer, and me. That's it. And in life, I have a very, very small group of people. I don't like to be mixy. I don't like to be messy. Um, I don't like to go to the club. I don't I don't do stuff like that. Like, you feel me? I like I mean we do if we have to celebrate, but like But you drink honey? Risk honey, you feel oh, me? <laughs> I think I'm the only girl that still drink honey, but I like Casamigos too. Here, guys. You feel me? Um <laughs> 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 uh, if you're from New York, then you're still drinking that dirty water, you feel me? Mm. But um <laughs> I think Walter agrees. Walter, yeah. you drink honey? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um so okay. my second piece of advice is don't be afraid to let go. And mm. what I mean by that is don't be afraid to let go of the old person you were. If you want to level up, you can always level up. You can let go of those bad habits. You can get let go of that bad thinking. You can let go of feeling sorry for yourself. You can let go of that man, sis. Like, you can let him go as well. You can let go of that group of friends. Like, there's there's growth into letting things go. Like, you feel mm -hmm. me? Like, you can never get into the next level until you pass this one and you move on. Like, you feel me? This is funny because my brother used to play Mario Kart. And he would um get stuck on one level, you feel me? And like not Mario Kart, what was it? Street Fighter. So Jumanji is, you know, pretty angry. Um, Street too. Fighter. Um that old nineties game. And he wouldn't pass it, he wouldn't pass it, and he wouldn't pass it. And then he passed it, and then he liked the level so much he kept replaying it. And then I'm like, You're never gonna get to the final level because you stuck on that one level playing mm. it, you feel me? And that's like a metaphor to life. Sometimes you get so so used to this one level of life you get so used to how things are going that you never level up and you never 
do Preach, more for bro. yourself. So like you have to let go. Like if you want to grow, go- you have to let go. Like that you goes feel for me? that goes for all aspects. Uh, for everything, and I feel crazy like advice right there, man. I'm and, fucking. I'm and, about to go home and overthink everything right now. And like we was talking about, like your hurt can be a source of power. Like take your pain and make champagne. <clears> like you feel me? <clears> and rose. No, <laughs> take your pain and make champagne. That's that's my podcast model actually um so i was gonna say so that was fantastic advice a little round of applause for that to be honest that was great advice so just from the advice you gave and everything you just said what are some like future like future goals for you in the next couple years like where do you see yourself in a couple years where do you see you know qfq where do you see yourself Hmm. what are some nice little goals for you that you think that you can be at in the next couple years so i definitely want to bring um qfq to tv um, I think it would be really cool to be on like a program like Vice or um, Complex or, you know, something along those lines. Um, I would really like to have still I, I work with local people, um, but, you know, like a lot of high profile people like celebrities and things along those lines. As long as professionally, I would like to be in the industry. I want to be um, I want to do public. I want to be a publicist. Mm-hmm. Um specifically for like nba F- nfl players um so i would or like entertainment too like i could do you know singers actors help whatever. me out fam um <laughs> yeah for sure i was checking out your music actually we'll, we could talk about that <laughs> yeah um, tell them the freestyle do tell them the freestyle <laughs> <laughs> i'll match you if you freestyle hey um where's he jenny right. he, he ain't ready for the freestyle <laughs> i gotta get him there put on the five i gotta get him, i gotta get him there um so as far as the future i see myself expanding qfq that's why i take such big breaks along my seasons because i really i plan my season to the detail and you can tell you could um kp knows this about me he's my partner um i come when we do like a season debrief like before the season happens and i have like a book this thick just filled with ideas of what we're going to talk about what we're going to do and things just along those nature. So as far as QFQ, definitely wait to see QFQ on, on TV. Definitely more sponsors next season. Definitely more people that um next season. Something different. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I don't know. I've been saying this all week that I need something different. I just don't know what it is yet. But like it's in there. Like you and, feel me? And to the people who are viewing right now, like mm-hmm. what is your goal with like QFQ? Like what is your podcast about to people who don't know you? Yeah. So what Queen from Queens podcast um is about is I it actually started. Um, I really wanted to showcase New York City talent. Um, it started like that. Um, so what I meant by like I wanted to showcase New York City talent is I wanted to bring a lot of local people from New York City, all five boroughs, doesn't really matter where you're from, um, and come on and tell their story. And it could be like anything. It could be like a business. I've had like athletes on the um, podcast. I've had rappers on the podcast. I've had producers on the podcast. I've had a, a girl last year, her mother had cancer. She came on, spoke about cancer and like the importance of getting checked and um, you know, her, her, her GoFundMe. I've had a girl come on and be honest about her depression, about her anxiety i've had a uh forex guy come on and talk about generational wealth why generational wealth and talk about saving your money and like so i really bring key lessons to the podcast um things that people are going to listen and learn something new hopefully and just either learn something new or relate to it somehow like you feel me that's the Mm. whole point of queen from queen's podcast and it's like it's it's been amazing honestly i've had 
great people my guests come and like give 110 percent and it's like you guys could probably relate to this sometimes you can have somebody that you've known for your whole life come on the podcast tell their story and you look at them different because now you're like mm-hmm. now i get it like now i understand why you are I'm the different. way you yeah. are like you think you could know this person your whole entire life but the moment they come and get interviewed mm-hmm. by you it's it's just a different connection, you feel me? And I really applaud a lot of my guests. And I'm I'm in that position right now. Mm-hmm. And I really applaud it because it's not easy to come on and be raw about your story. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so I have a number of different people on the podcast. And it's just all about it's just all about spreading love and energy, positive energy, but also like talking about hard topics. Damn. Damn. I was um, gonna say, I was gonna say, so I honestly like before we wrap things up. I just want to say, like, I think me and Ethan are extremely, like, grateful to have you today on the show. I think uh, I actually learned a lot about your life today, and I hope Ethan did as well. And I think, you know, for anyone who's watching, I think, you know, something, the advice you gave, hands down, fantastic advice. And I'll let you know, that was fucking phenomenal advice. I thought advice. about it for a week. No. It better be. And for, <laughs> for anyone's listening, I hope y'all wrote that shit down, and I hope y'all <laughs> taking notes. Um, also, you know, something that I also want to get on the, you know, just get on the table really quick, you know, something I learned is, like, I know I mentioned this to you before, but, you know, I think you grew up really quick. And I think, you know, with your core family and foundation, um, it made you the go-getter I think you are today. And I think you are a spitting image of the people around you. Like Ethan said, you are a product of your environment and you are literally the perfect example of that. Um, You know, I know your father, you know, rest in peace to her father, but I know your father's not here right now. But I think honestly, like with or without him, like he would be like extremely proud of like where you are right now. Don't Fact. make me cry. Facts. That's really Straight up. that's really important for me to hear. Thank no. you so much. And I much. think he would be extremely proud of where you are. And like honestly, Thank like you. I hope all your dreams and aspirations like come true. I hope your podcast gets on VH1 MTV <laughs> BT Awards. We're gonna see her talking that shit. And honestly, like, no, we appreciate you. Thank you, like, so much for coming on Brothers in the Deep End and, you know, telling us how a sister got out the deep end and giving your perspective on everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just some key pointers. Don't let it go over your head. Foundation, family, and integrity. And that's what I got. And independence. And everything starts off with, number one, um, the foundation. If the foundation is broken, you may be broken. And make sure you go seek help. Um, But... For all the peoples out there that starting a family or what the case may be, make sure you set ground rules because it's contagious, right? As Mm -hmm. you can see, mother and father, build that solid core, brother, then her. Um, And just continue just to elevate and whatever it is the fuck that you're doing. So um, kudos to you for everything. I was really just humble in this podcast um, and just quiet, just soaking in the game, as I believe y'all should have. And um, I... You know, I, I'm speechless right now. She did her thing. She came in. She talked to she talked to Physax. Yeah, and I just want to thank everyone that's um, been tuning and supporting. We, me and Casey, kind of been in a, a little hiatus, I would say. Yeah. Um, but life been going crazy. Life been going crazy. But we're gonna continue to try to drop these gems. And um, if anyone's looking for that, you know, trying to get ape, you dig. Come for my training sessions and then stay tuned for what Casey got. He got some upcoming, you know, EPs. Of the year, bro. And he's it's getting be better insane. with time. Um, he's getting better time with his music. And then with Queen from Queens, the pod she already talked about was yet to come. So just make sure you, you subscribe, you follow her on IG. We're gonna put all handles there. And uh, and just remember, guys, if we can change one person's life, 
Facts. That's what we're about. And we got a sister in the deep end, you dig? Facts. Wait, before we leave, I want to publicly, publicly invite y'all to be guests on the Queen from Queens podcast. So it's y'all turn to come to Rec Room Studio. We taking them to Queens. Let's do it. Oh, shit. And they're going to come and they're going to be guests. And Walter, we're going to fill you in on how they do. All then, right? Cut gonna, the mics, Mike. And we're gonna Cut bring, the mics, man. We're going to bring Brooklyn Podcast Studios with us. Boom! And make sure you subscribe, follow Queen from Queens podcast, man. QFQ podcast. Thank you, everyone. Thank Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Let's get into it. Look, moving different, you know I'm already custom made. Said you want to play with me, there's just a different game. Trying to make it to the end, it's just a crazy maze.